The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young. We are going to kick things off on Friday with another trade of another outfielder going to New York. This time it's Tyler Naquin headed from the Reds to the Mets. Naquin traded along with relief pitcher Philip Deal, who's really struggled in the bigs and in AAA this year, to be honest. Had a solid season in AAA last year, but walks have been a huge issue for him. Naquin, meanwhile, he was one for three with a home run for the Reds before the trade, which raised his season line up to a 101 WRC plus, just above average. His home run per fly ball rate really carried him last year and fell back to his career norms this year. However, versus right-handed pitchers, he has a 118 WRC plus, the Mets certainly have enough depth to use him only as he should be used. Losing that park will hurt him quite a bit, but a better lineup around him will help. The big question, to be honest, for me is just how much he'll play. I'm not thrilled about this because I think it moves him to a crowded situation where he's likely to spend a lot more time on the bench. But if he's starting regularly against right-handed pitchers, he could be a pretty decent play the rest of the way. The other big news Thursday was Marlins starting pitcher prospect Max Meyer being set to undergo Tommy John surgery. Meyer had only briefly been with the Marlins, making two starts and going six total innings without much success, but his minor league numbers are tremendous. He has a very bright future. Unfortunately, the timing on this likely means he is gone for all of next season. A scary moment for one of his teammates in Miami is Daniel Castano, who was just called up to start for the Marlins, took a 104 mile per hour liner off his head. The ball bounced so high that third baseman Joey Wendell was able to camp under it like a pop-up to catch the ball for an out. Castano was able to walk off the field. Scan came back clean. Seems the ball clipped the brim of his hat rather than hitting his head directly. Terrific news that he seems to be okay. We'll have to see if he needs to spend some time on the IL for a concussion. Yusei Kikuchi activated off the IL and started against the Tigers. He went five innings with five strikeouts and a walk. Had a run that he allowed on a Willie Castro home run. Just two hits. Kikuchi's velocity was down, but he managed 10 whiffs and just 67 pitches. He did have some increased spin, which is a good sign. I am not buying on this good start, though. It was against Detroit. He still gave up a home run, which has been an issue for him all year. I'm just not ready. Let's see him do it again. 
Seth Brown activated off the paternity list and Sheldon Noisy sent back to AAA for the Athletics. The Angels got David Fletcher back from the 60-day IL and optioned Michael Stefanik to make room. Fletcher started at second base, moved to shortstop, hit ninth, was one for three with a double. It sounds like Paul DeJong will be back soon. He was added to the Cards taxi squad and could be activated this weekend. DeJong had a great rookie year in 2017. He was still solid in 2018 and 2019. He was not solid in 2020 or 2021, and his 86 plate appearances this year have been awful. But he was hitting better in AAA. His walks were down. Home run per fly ball rate was up. Last few weeks in particular have been very, very good for him. Unclear where he gets playing time. No more than a watch list for me for now, if that. Matt Manning getting close to a return. He's rejoining the Tigers when they face the Twins starting Monday. Don't know yet when he'll start. Manning's look good in AAA, though still with too many walks for my taste. Talent is legit, but hasn't come close to putting it together. It's only 93 career MLB innings, so the book is far from written. Luis Robert starting a rehab assignment in Charlotte. Great news for fantasy managers, but also just good to hear given the lack of clarity around the lightheadedness and other issues he was dealing with. Good to know he's feeling good again. Mariners placed Diego Castillo on the IL with shoulder inflammation. Manager Scott Service called it nothing too serious. Said if they were not limited to 13 pitchers, he might not even go on the IL, but they need another arm. So they recalled Matt Brash. Brash, super talented, should provide good relief pitcher rates and strikeouts, but not much in the way of saves or holds unless he grabs a role unexpectedly. Pirates put Brian Reynolds on the paternity list, so he'll miss a couple days. No idea if players on the paternity list can be traded, but you know the Pirates are here in requests for him. You got to wonder if he's going to move on before he comes back. Tigers place Andrew Chafin on the restricted list. From a fantasy perspective, this qualifies as good news because it means no one else from the Tigers needs to miss their trip to Toronto. Ronaldo Lopez placed on the 15-day IL with a lower back strain. He'd been very effective in a pen roll for the Sox. Could have been next in line to get some starts. Depending how long they expect this to last, it could impact trade plans this week as adding an arm may become more pressing. Looking at a different color of sock, The Red Sox have to be concerned that Trevor Story doesn't seem close to a return. He's been swinging the bat, but still having discomfort when he swings. Not sure what his timeline is at this point. Michael Waka did throw a bullpen and set for a sim game soon, so at least he's making progress. In better news, Rafael Devers is eligible to come off the IL Tuesday, and Alex Cora expects him to do just that. Rich Hill and Matt Barnes on rehab assignments and could also be back before too long. On yesterday's episode, Scott mentioned that Tyler Wells left to start early with side discomfort. Well, He's now on the IL. He says his body's feeling the transition to starting, and so maybe this is just a needed break. But look for more news, because if this is an oblique issue and side discomfort could be that, that could be a while. Wells has been effective, but don't hesitate to drop him if you need the roster spot. Scott also mentioned Connor Joe might need some time off, but he was back in the lineup and leading off for the Rockies on Thursday. He went 0 for 4. Corey Seager left Thursday's game in the 6th after falling a ball off his leg. The Rangers called it precautionary, so I suspect he'll be back but check lineups today just to be sure. Seager 3-for-3 with an RBI and a double before leaving. He's just been crushing the ball. George Springer made some big throws from center field and then left the Jays game in the ninth after a swing. He grabbed his elbow, seemed to be in some pain. After the game, manager John Schneider said Springer was feeling good, so maybe just tweak something. We'll be back soon. Day off wouldn't surprise me, though. Last piece of news before we get into the action. Andrew Benintendi made his Yankee debut, leading off and playing left field. That leadoff spot is prime real estate with that offense lined up behind him, but he went 0 for 4 with a strikeout in this one. I gotta be honest, I'm not sure I love the fit. I know that park is friendly for left-handed power, but Ben Intendi doesn't really bring much power regardless of the park, and that short porch just means less space for his line drives to find grass. 
He really hasn't had issues home or away this year, so I'm not worried exactly, but I don't think this massively changes my outlook for him. Probably a little bit of a lower average, similar home runs. I really don't think he's going to add a bunch more. Probably fewer RBI if he's leading off, although he should score a lot more runs. On the field on Thursday, Matt Chapman had a two-homer night, added a walk in four plate appearances. He scored two, drove in three. Since America's birthday, Chapman has a 373, 448, 695 slash line. That's before the two bombs on Thursday. He now has seven home runs in just over three weeks versus nine the rest of the season. There's a lot of bat pip in this hot streak and a big jump in home run per fly ball rate. His K rate is actually up in that time but he's barreling the ball a ton and there does appear to be legitimately better contact to back up those results. Third base is a mess. Chapman could be a good trade target in fantasy leagues. Jesus Aguiar, three for four with a home run or run four RBIs for the Marlins. Season has not been kind to Aguiar and I'm not ready to go grab him, but watch his next couple weeks because he can get hot. By the way, hitting behind him, J.J. Blade was 0 for 5 with three strikeouts. Xander Bogarts was told by the Red Sox they are not trading him, and he celebrated by going 1 for 2 with a couple walks, a three-run home run, oh, and he stole his sixth and seventh bags of the year, too. The home run was only his eighth on the year, but Bogarts has been hitting well, and the power should improve the rest of the way. With Baltimore headed to Cincinnati today, Trey Mancini may have played his last home game as an Oriole on Thursday, and he went two for four with a run, two RBIs, and one of the weirder home runs you'll ever see. Joshua Lowe seemed to have the ball lined up for a catch in right field. He whiffed, the ball hit him in the head, Mancini was off, it should have been a four-base error, but counts as a home run, at least for now. Alex Bregman, two for four with a home run, two runs, three RBIs against Seattle. They just can't seem to lose to anyone but Houston and can't seem to beat Houston. Bregman's up to 13 home runs, and while the power is not going to be elite, if he can push for 20 to 25 home runs, he's driving in plenty of runs, he's scoring plenty, and particularly in OBP leagues, he'll be very useful. The Dodgers scored 13 runs in cores without a home run. It certainly helps when the first two guys in your lineup score five. Mookie Betts, two for six with two runs. Trey Turner, three for four, three runs, three RBIs, and a stolen base. Freddie Freeman also scored twice and drove in two and stole a bag. Brendan Rodgers for the Rockies managed to go four for four, despite the fact that they did not score a run. Other home runs around baseball, Jesus Sanchez hit his 12th, Kyle Schwarber hit his 32nd, Cal Mitchell hit his third, and it was a three-hit day for him. The Yankees and Royals combined for just one run, and so you already know that that one run had to be an Aaron Judge home run because he goes deep every day. That was his 39th. It was a walk-off. Oh, he stole his 10th base in this one, too. Jonathan Scope hit his 7th, Jose Ramirez his 20th. He's cooled off a ton after a thumb injury, but maybe this is a sign of things turning around. Nathaniel Lowe hit his 15th, and last but not least, Patrick Wisdom imparting some dong knowledge, hitting his 18th on the year. As for stolen bases, Austin Hayes nabbed his 2nd, Kevin Newman his 3rd, Andres Jimenez his 8th, Yuli Gurriel his 6th, and Tyro Estrada his 15th. On to the mound. A couple of guys who struggled this year had a bit of a duel going on. Ryan Yarborough went six innings allowing a run on four hits with eight strikeouts and no walks. Really looked good. Jordan Lyles not as good. Five and two-thirds with three hits, four strikeouts, and four walks. Yarborough is the story, though. He managed 15 whiffs, 10 of them coming on his cutter, and Yarborough drastically changed his pitch mix. He'd been throwing 29% cutters, 29% changeups, 21% curves, 16% sliders, 6% four-seamers so far this year. Moral of the story there is, Less than 30% on every pitch, throwing five different pitches, three of them over 20% of the time. Thursday, he threw the cutter 61% of the time with a 31% CSW, a 27% whiff rate. The velocity was down 1.3 miles per hour, but spin was up 97 RPM on that pitch, and it was super effective. The Rays should have him facing Toronto next. I want no part of that. 
But if he gets pushed back at all, Detroit could be on the docket, and that's an interesting streaming option. Zach Wheeler went seven, allowing two runs and three hits, including the Cal Mitchell home run. Struck out eight, but walked three. Not his best start, but nothing to worry about in the line. However, his fastball velocity was down. He has struggled with that this year. It is something to watch next time out. No more than that for me for now. Holy cow, Brady Singer. Seven innings, 10 strikeouts, one walk, one hit. No runs allowed to the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. 38% CSW built on killer command. And then it's just a nutso line against that lineup. Who knows if the command will stick? I would bet against it, but hard not to take a gamble on him the way he's pitching right now. Jamison Tyone against him was good, but not as good. Six shutout, four hits, two walks, eight strikeouts. Nice surprise given the recent struggles he's had against some weak teams. So yeah, it's just the Royals, but hey, gotta beat the team in front of you. Tristan McKenzie really made only one mistake, but Bogarts punished it. He ended up allowing four runs and six hits over seven innings, six strikeouts, and a walk. As long as the control is there, I am not worried about sticks. Cutter Crawford has been better as a starter than a reliever, and that continued Thursday as he held the Guardians to a run, the Jose Ramirez home run, on three hits over five and two-thirds. He only struck out two, which is a little weird for him. I don't think he's an ace or anything, but the Sox seem to have found something here, and I think he can provide solid numbers with an ERA around four and a pretty high K count. Logan Gilbert gave up two runs on five hits with six strikeouts and two walks over six versus Houston. Not a bad line at all for that opponent. Opposite him, Jose Urquidy with some trade talk swirling. Went six and two-thirds, allowing two runs and four hits. Just three strikeouts, walked two. Not exactly the stuff of brilliance, but got the job done. Tyler Anderson is not scared of Coors Field. Seven shutout. Four hits, four strikeouts, no walks. Dude just keeps delivering. Wish I'd been on him more quickly. Spencer Howard threw five shutout, allowing just three hits and striking out five but also had just four whiffs on 76 pitches, just four. I'm not impressed. It's the Angels. They don't have Trout. Like, yeah, he held Otani for four, but Shohei had three hard-hit balls, and I'm not buying this. Otani, by the way, was also the starting pitcher in this one. He took the loss as Howard got the W, went six innings, struck out 11 without a walk. He gave up that home run to low and allowed two runs on eight hits, which is why he took the loss, but he had an insane 21 whiffs, just a tough luck loss because his team can't hit. The Ks weren't there, but Alex Wood went six and two-thirds, allowing two runs and two hits to the Cubs, three strikeouts and two walks. Also allowed a home run. Not super pretty. Gives me a little pause moving forward, but not too bad. Justin Steele could have used some help from his D opposite Wood. Three and two-thirds, four runs, none earned. He struck out six and walked one, allowed five hits. I'm actually more encouraged by his start than Wood's. As for the bullpens, Felix Bautista went one and a third with three strikeouts for his third save. He is going to be a must roster if Jorge Lopez gets traded. And if I'm Baltimore, I'm very happy to make Lopez a former Oriole and hand the job to Bautista. Speaking of former Orioles, Tanner Scott got his 14th save for the fish, giving up a run on a hit and a couple of walks. He did strike out two and he held on to the lead. So yay. Sir Anthony Dominguez got his sixth save going two thirds of an inning after Yuri's Familia gave up five earned runs and four hits and a walk in a third of an inning to turn a six-run lead into a one-run lead. Scott Barlow took the loss Thursday, got the first guy he faced, and then gave up that home run to Judge. No change with him. You're not going to blame him for that one. Jordan Romano got his 22nd save, going one and a third to help out a pen that had already given up a couple runs in the sixth and the eighth. Garrett Whitlock got his third save, going two innings, allowing a run and two hits and a walk with a strikeout. That pen seems very much in flux, and I'd been high on Hauk as a closer, but does not seem to have that job. Ryan Presley got his 21st save, striking out two and allowing a hit in an inning of work. Rafael Montero got the win before him, one and a third for him. He was in the game when Andres Munoz gave up a couple runs to turn a tie game into an Astros W. 
Matt Moore got his second save with a scoreless inning for Texas, but I'm still not a fan of that pen. And Camilo Duvall got his 13 saves, striking out the side around a hit. Before we take a look at what's coming on Friday, let's take a quick break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show Welcome back. We'll start off with the weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much. Well, looking at today, we get a couple of National League matchups where we're going to see some rain around. The first one is in the nation's capital, where we will see uh, the Cardinals are in town to play the Nationals, obviously, for the Nationals' capitals. And the other National League matchup is going to be between the the Snakes, the Diamondbacks, and the Braves in Atlanta. Both of these places will see a front sag down and cause some rain, and we'll just have to keep an eye on these as we go through the day. Thank you very much, and I will talk to you later. Thanks, Mark. As for streamers on Friday, honestly, I don't want to stream anyone. Maybe Jeffrey Spring at home versus Cleveland. Does Blake Snell count? Or maybe Marcus Stroman if he's available? It's a lot of legitimately good pitchers you can't grab to stream and a bunch of guys I want nothing to do with. So don't really have a lot of advice for you there. As for hitters, I got some advice on that. You can tee up your Orioles. They're going to Great American Ballpark and facing Mike Miner. They're also probably fighting to prove that their front office should buy. I'd start my cards as well. I just don't think Annabelle Sanchez has anything left. As for what I'm watching, I'll be at my son's soccer tournament, so I'll be watching soccer. But if I were watching baseball... Very curious to see what Lance Lynn has facing the A's. Probably good results, but is the velocity back up? How does he look? Robbie Ray versus Justin Verlander should be fun, but the Astros just teed off on Ray, so we'll have to see. Shane Bieber looking for a bounce back. Some interesting storylines. Go read the SP Roundup, Batters Box, and Reliever Ranks on Pitcher List. Then enjoy those games. Tweet at me about what you see. I'm really curious, as I said, about Lynn, Ray, Verlander, and Bieber, so hit me up at Chad Young on Twitter. Would love to know what you think of them. With that, Have a good Friday. I'll be back with you soon. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.